Listen for a word from God in Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all of your task, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it, not you, nor your daughters, nor your sons, your male or your female servants, your animals, or the immigrant who is living with you, because the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. When you were a kid, what was your favorite thing to play? And what are some of the fondest memories in those moments of play? As you think about yours, I'll share one of mine. One of my favorite memories as a kid was playing the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger game. <laughs> yes. Do you remember the Power Rangers? Where are my 90s kids at? Yes. Yep. These are the friends. This was this American superhero series adapted from a Japanese TV show where five teenagers were recruited by a character named Zordon. Zordon was the, the Charlie to the Charlie's Angels, if you will. So there were six of us siblings in the same age range, so we would alternate being different characters. While Zordon was a super important character full of wisdom and power, his life was limited to a tube. Lots of details on history about that, but we won't get into that today. But most of us, me and my siblings, we wanted to be one of the mighty Power Rangers who fought in action with the super cool costumes and the super cool powers. My sister and I would often fight over who was going to be the Pink Ranger. We were both fascinated by it for some reason, and I can't always remember why. But we would eventually compromise and take turns being the Pink Ranger. We didn't have the cool color coordinated costumes to, you know, to sport, however. We simply relied on our imaginations to find and fill in the gaps. We dreamt up scenarios where we would defeat the bad guys like the putties, just like in the TV show. We would even tie strings on our wrists, pretending like, we were, uh, like they were two-way telecommunicator watches, right? <laughs> which was a really huge deal back then, um, you know, technology at its finest. I mean, now Siri is on everyone's wrist and Siri is talking to everyone, but no less. For the hour that we were playing, we were in a world of wonder. It required all of us to be obsessed and fully in to this moment fully in with the show and the characters and the plot and the idea because it brought out the best character play. Sometimes we would laugh so hard we almost peed our pants. And then other times when it would get too wild and one of us ended up hurt, you know, trying our own Power Ranger stunts, we would all pause and then rush to help ease the hurt one. We all knew that if our mom found out, we knew playtime would be over. We never wanted playtime to be over. So as you think about your favorite play memory, do you feel that sweet nostalgia of what it was like to feel and to be so free? You know, what's most interesting is that I can't really remember the moment when play and wonder became a thing that I stopped valuing in my life. 
However, as I think about the story of the people of Israel in the book of Exodus this morning, it is evident to me that being free, feeling free, and embodying freedom is often forfeited to the powers of work and toil and control. I think we called it something like adulthood. Often the Ten Commandments are read in this chapter as a list of rules on, on how to live in God's world. And we project onto these commandments our ideas of order and holiness, and we miss the potential we find in this covenant rather than a list of rules from God to God's people. We want to see this list as a list of do's and don'ts because that's what the rest of the world offers us. Many of us were taught that the commandments were defined as a verb, which is an agreement by lease, a deed, or some kind of legal document. How many of you were taught that sin happened when we broke any one of the Ten Commandments? I was. I remember vividly sitting in Bible studies at our small church in the desert, feeling this insane pressure in my chest as a 12-year-old. How in the world was I going to walk this tightrope of faith with God? Was God watching me every single moment and waiting for me to mess up? You know, like the game of operation, you get too close to the edges and the buzzer goes off and your turn is up, you've lost. When we get to the verse, verse eight in chapter 20, the Sabbath commandment, I was the most intimidated. Most of you likely know this by heart. Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you will work and do all of your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it, not you, your son or your daughters, your male or your female servant, your animals or the immigrant who is living with you. This covenant, however, ought to be defined in the form of a noun. This, this commandment, this covenant, is an agreement that prioritizes and brings about a relationship of commitment between God and God's people, and it's initiated by God a gift from, from God's self to, hum to humanity. In this lens, this is the lens, the, this definition that we ought to look through for Sabbath. So I invite you to think about this time with God as a time of holy play with the divine. First, we must revisit the history and the context of where this commandment of Sabbath-keeping is in the story of the Israelite people in Exodus 20. Exodus 20 drops us in the part of the story where the people of God had been traveling in the desert from Egypt to the holy promised land that God was promising to them. They arrived at Mount Sinai. On this journey, the people struggled to to shed their identity as slaves of Pharaoh. Old Testament theologian Walter Brueggemann writes, the system was designed to produce more and more surplus. He continues, in this narrative report, Pharaoh is a hard-nosed production manager from whom production schedules are inexhaustible. His vision was capital and wealth. In this system, the people had lived. It was a relentless production schedule for over 400 years. 
There was no room for Sabbath rest or imagination or even time and space for relational covenant to unfold. Their world was only visible through the lens of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was both their their captor and their provider. God sees this abuse of power and authority and rescues the people. And even so, the people struggled. Even into the book of Deuteronomy, we see God again speaking to the people to remind the people that they are not slaves anymore to the tiresome rhythm that they knew in Egypt. In Deuteronomy 4.20, Moses speaks on behalf of God. But the Lord took you, he says to the people, and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, so that you might be God's own treasured people, which is what you are right now. The Israelites not only didn't understand how to pause and to rest and receive Sabbath, The rest of the week, they spent their energy lamenting their old life, making an idol not only of Pharaoh, but of their life of production and work. They turned even their pain into something they worshipped. The abuse of that system became normal, and they longed for that normality, even if it was slowly killing them. It's like... It's like they were incapable of, of turning off their, their daily grind switch, like, like one of those wind-up toys that goes haywires and just it can't stop spinning. They had become comfortable because this was just the way that things were. If there were any group of humans who needed the reframing that Sabbath provides and the work of reimagining It was the people of Israel in Exodus. However, God is not one settling for humanity gone rogue. God does not forfeit God's people to a pharaonic system. Brueggemann reflects that the people in this ancient context, they would have truly departed in order for them to truly depart from the Egyptian system. It would take for them to be able to dance and to sing and to be in freedom, but they would really have to learn to let go. Author Dan Allender writes in God's Economy, there is no distinction between work and play. God's creation is not due to lack of loneliness, lack or loneliness or necessity. It was free and and groundless that is, without reason other than delight. Since you are not in front of me, then I can't see what your faces are doing as I share that phrase, but I wish I could. My sense is that it might be a bit unsettling for some, and it might be a sign of relief for others. Like if you're a student who is headed into finals week and are working at the same time and got a million things happening, hear this with some relief. God doesn't create with a syllabus of expectations. If you're feeling a little troubled by this thought, I invite you to sit with it and ask yourself, why couldn't God create out of the sheer pleasure of delight? What could be at a loss if this were true? Or what could there be to gain? Like Pastor Devo reminds us last week, the reason for creation is God. 
This doesn't offer much of an explanation. However, it does offer us a radical beginning point to consider how we ought to live out Sabbath, the day that in fact most defines how we are to live out the rest of our lives, the rest of the week. Dan Alander writes, the Sabbath is our play day, not only as a break from routine or work and toil, but as a feast that celebrates the superabundance of God's creative love to give glory for no other reason than love itself loves to create and give away glory. For the people of Israel in Exodus, Sabbath is celebrated because redemption, the Exodus, created the new people who would fulfill God's promises as their ancestor, Abraham. To bless the earth and all the people in it was their calling to fulfill. Sabbath then, for the people of Israel, coming into their new freedom, is about blessing and creativity breaking away from the destructive, unimaginative, and lifeless ways of Egypt. But a true sense of freedom is scary. We demand freedom, Allender writes, yet we, like the Israelites, fear the risks required to create in a manner that has such openness, vulnerability, and potential for failure. God's commandment for Sabbath and Exodus is an invitation to holy play, a trust with the Holy One, vulnerability with the Holy One, a way to relearn life and reform a bond of trust with the one true God, Yahweh. In God's space on Sabbath, there is space for equality between male and female, slave and free, alien and aristocracy. Play with God redistributes power and the opportunity for convention to be reconfigured by the unexpected and the inconceivable. When was the last time that you wondered with God? And I don't mean your morning prayer or the 15-minute devotional time that you spend with God. Those are good and important. But I mean wondered with God, the one who created the heavens and the earth. If I asked you, for example, a question like this, what do you want to be, to do, to know, and to give away in the last third of your life? What do you think your response would be? It's a tough question, simply because we have to take the time to think about it. We have to wonder. We have to pause our thoughts from all the other thoughts that we have prescribed as more important or prioritized. When we wonder with God, we will find that it leads us to a higher calling to plunge into the unknown. Play with God requires us to be wakeful and simultaneously disengaged. To use our time on Sabbath is a way this would mean to use our time this way on Sabbath would mean that we might not abide by the sitting quietly and non-mobile activities Sabbath keepers have adapted. 
holy Sabbath play with God asks us to give ourselves to something or someone and turn away from all else. Allender says it's both pledge and betrayal. For God, play on Sabbath is a time for reunion and for a coalescence of those divided to be reunited and to celebrate. It requires not only immense focus, but also great loss. Holy play happens with God, and it extends into holy play with our community. As we learn to wonder with God, to stare God in God's eyes in wonder and with wonder, we learn to do the same with the people in our lives, with the community of people we're surrounded in. When was the last time that you sat with your parent or friend or child and just stared into each other's eyes? FaceTime, Zoom, in person. It seems silly, right? It might even seem as a waste of time, but, but there is something powerful about an uninterrupted time with someone. No agenda, no cue cards for conversation, just two beings holding space for one another. It's harder than you think. Abraham Heschel warns us that the Sabbath is not a day to shoot fireworks or, or turn somersaults or, or, the, or the book that overly scheduled vacation that we've been wanting to get into and, and use to get away from all this craziness, but it's an opportunity to mend our tattered lives, to collect rather than to dissipate time because nothing wears our hearts down faster or deeper than division in our closest and dearest relationships. When we move into a new vision with our own, we can then begin to do the holy work of seeing and mending the tattered lives of those in our community, paying attention to the things that matter to the heart of God. They begin to matter to us. It is one step at a time, one Sabbath at a time, with radical, holy play with God, who is sure to take us from the captive hands of an often oppressive world that keeps us busy and in a whirlwind of work and no play. The same promises God shares with the Israelites, God shares with us. The Lord took you, friends of La Sierra, out of iron furnaces, out of Egypt, so that you might be God's own treasured people, which, La Sierra, is what you are right now. I hope for you this Sabbath, holy play with the Holy One. Amen. <laughs>